Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And we are starting our Women's History Month this month, and we are super excited to celebrate women and all of their incredible accomplishments they've had and what they're going to continue to do. Today, we are joined by two incredible women, Liv Gagnon and Sonia Dreisler of Choir. So we're super excited to have these ladies on today because of what they're doing, and they're just two badass ladies. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks for having us. So for the listeners that haven't met you before, I usually I let the guests do a little brief bio of what's going on. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with the Minority Money community a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'll start. This is Liv. My background is in PR and media relations for the financial services industry. I worked for years on the agency side, working with large wealth management companies, RAs, broker-dealers, fintech providers, helping folks kind of launch into the public eye. Um, In 2018, I started my own firm, Portaga, and really focused that on branding and marketing consulting for mission-driven companies and financial services. Love it. Yeah. No, I I wouldn't. Don't stop. If you have more to say, please don't let me interrupt. I'm just... (laughs) Yeah, that really led me to meeting Sonia. She was a client of mine and we just were fast friends and had a lot in common. And a couple years later, we started choir. So yeah, really excited to be here and to be doing this work. I think it's a really natural extension of years just working behind the scenes and seeing, you know, what happens to plan conferences who decides, you know, who gets in the media on stages. So it's really an honor to be doing this work now. Awesome, Liv. Thank you. Thank you for that. I can't wait to dive into more of this. Sonia, talk to us. Talk to us. Yep. So this is Sonia. In my background, I spent the first about 15 years or so of my career in very traditional financial services roles in the RIA and independent broker-dealer space. I started as an executive assistant and many, many years later was chief operating officer of that same firm and then eventually CEO. And of course, that story sounds really great and linear when I tell it that fast, but it really wasn't. It wasn't fast and it wasn't linear. It is a quick career story. And I got a lot of experience working with advisors and working in the broader investing and financial services sector. And when we sold that company in 2016, I started consulting after that in the ESG and socially responsible investing space where I have a in-depth expertise. So I was just doing that on my own consulting and I was also doing some speaking and writing and found that what I really wanted to speak about and write about was in addition to ESG was race and gender in financial services and really getting to talk about my passions. And so for the last probably three or four years, I've really focused there more even so than ESG. And that has become the majority of my work is speaking and writing about race and gender inequity in financial services and 
how to make things better for everyone. And like Liv said, we met because I was a client of hers when I needed some media and PR help. And then we started working on choir about a year ago. Liv called me with this idea and it sounded great to me. And I added to it some. And since then, we've just been building and building and then a month ago launching. Nice. Nice. So both of you I met, I believe on Twitter, shout out to FinTwit, right? Just for connecting all these great people in the industry. And so I would just like, so I've been able to watch what you guys are doing from afar and just kind of admire the work that you've done and absolutely love it. So I want to just jump into choir and, you know, everything choir. Like I want to hear all about it. And I want the guests to be able to hear about it as well, because I think it's super important. We have some people that are in the industry, some people that are outside of the industry, and I like for them to be able to hear what's going on and why we get so excited about some of the things that the people that we know from FinTwit, that some of the things that they're doing. And so please, ladies, don't spare a detail about what's going on (laughs) and what you ladies are working on. Sure. So I'll start. Choir is a diversity certification for financial services conferences. And we're also a diversity tech platform. So our overarching goal is really to get more expert voices of women, non-binary people, and people of color on stages and in the media across financial services. You know, our name is Choir, and that comes from the fact that, you know, we've really heard one type of voice for a very long time in finance and similar to Acquire. You know, if we're ever going to move forward as an industry and help the world with, you know, applying financial services to everybody, we need to listen to all of the voices and have all of the perspectives in order to have a well-rounded future-focused industry. So you can think of choir in three parts. We have the certification, which is an algorithm that essentially scores conferences and pulls data from their previous event to determine how visible women, non-binary people, and people of color were at the conference. So that's our certification. And that's really one-on-one work with conferences, including consulting based on that data and helping them really improve representation on stage year over year. We have the choir pledge, which I think most people in the industry, especially on FinTwit, have seen a lot about. The pledge is for anyone in the industry, speakers, sponsors, attendees who want to really show their support, but put some action behind behind that support and pledge to only attend conferences that meet a certain baseline criteria of representation. And then Lastly, we have Choir Voices, which we're really excited about is actually where the idea for Choir originally came from, and that is launching in the spring. It's a platform to connect more representative voices with speaking opportunities and opportunities to speak in the media. So with those three parts, really our main goal is to start changing who it is that our industry listens to. Absolutely. And I'll add to that, that the reason that there's three parts is because we want to make sure that everybody in financial services who cares about this issue could interact with choir in some way, 
and we could give tools for them, whatever their role in finance is. There's a role for everyone in changing who we listen to. And so those three parts cover everybody. You guys did it so thoughtfully, right? Not to leave anyone out. And I love the way that you guys are approaching this. And as someone that didn't get to speak much, which this is kind of crazy, right? So I'll tell you guys this, and a lot of people don't know this. I used to be a preacher. So I was a pastor for a few years. So I went to seminary and actually did speaking all the time, right? Teaching Bible studies, teaching at church and doing like a lot of speaking. So I've done public speaking for years. Neither of you probably knew that. Most people don't know I speak. Most people don't know that. And the opportunities to speak haven't come, right? And I've probably been speaking for, let's see, I went to, I was speaking for almost 20 years and people don't know that. And as you guys are talking and I'm thinking about the opportunities that even someone that has a speaking pedigree <laughs> doesn't get to speak, like it's so needed. And then the voices that we are listening to, right? Because I love it. So <laughs> I'm going to say that and then I'm going to say, why now? Why'd you guys start this now? You know, that's a good question. And, and probably it's different for both Liz mm-hmm. and I. So I'll start with my answer. I feel like I have actually been doing this work for the past four or five years in an unscalable way. Conference organizers and journalists both know that I care about amplifying the voices of women and people of color and especially women of color and that I have a really great network. And so they'll come to me and ask me, hey, I'm really trying to have a more diverse panel or I want to quote a wider variety of sources in this article, but all my sources so far that I know are white men. Can you help me out and introduce me to experts in XYZ field of finance or with this specialization who are people of color or whatever they're looking for? And so I've been making these introductions and spending quite a lot of time actually doing that in a not at all scalable way, not scalable because of my time, but also not scalable because even though I have a great network, it's just my network. And so it's limited, right? And so the idea with voices is essentially doing that same thing, but at much bigger scale and where we can have thousands of brilliant experts on the platform and journalists and conference organizers can reach out to them more directly instead of through me. And then Actually, when Liv approached me about the business idea, that's why it was such a natural, easy yes for me. And I was so excited to throw myself into this work. I'll let Liv answer her why now question. I wanted to jump in, though, before Liv answers. I wanted to ask you, when you were building your own personal network, to be able to have connections with people that would be able to speak at some of these requests that they were coming to you, How did you even begin to do that? Because I think that that in itself is something remarkable, right? Because that didn't happen on accident. You had to be very intentional about that. Yes, you are right. In fact, that's one of the talks I give is how to build a network of more diverse and inclusive network. It's good for your business because it really is. In addition to being, you know, fun and meeting more people. Let's see. So I speak at conferences and so got to see folks there, although Honestly, at conferences, it's a lot of the same speakers over and over. And so I wanted to build beyond that. So it's really actually kind of interesting because we're on a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And when there's a guest that says something that's really interesting or I learned from, which is many of them, I'll send a note 
I'll find them online and just say, hey, I listened to you, you know, for example, one that comes to mind is Hong Long, who I heard on Rianca Dorsenbaugh's podcast, 2050 Trailblazers. When I heard her, the first episode she was on, it blew my mind. It was just so incredible. I learned a lot. Her background was really interesting to me. And so I just sent her a note. I was like, hey, heard your episode. I learned a lot. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate that. And she wrote back and we got to be, you know, friends by email. And then when she came to San Francisco, we went out to coffee and she came over for dinner at my house. So it's just sort of starting with listening and then reaching out when there's a way to connect and doing that many, many times over has built an incredible network and it's wonderful. I love that. I love that. Building a network with intention, right? It's very intentional and reaching out and as someone that hosts a podcast, that's so cool to be able to reach out to guests of podcasts and just tell them, hey, you know what? What you said was like really impactful. Like I really enjoyed that because you come on the show, you know, or we're doing the show and, and no one, you don't really know what people think after they, you know, you get off, you say like, man, I hope I did well, you know, <laughs> I hope it went well. And then for you to be able to take that next step and do that, that's so awesome. So we'll hear more about it as we go on. But Liv, please. Please, please tell us about your why. Why now? Yeah, you know, I think working in financial services, PR and media, it was never lost on me that most of the stories that I was telling were stories that didn't resonate with me mm-hmm. and were kind of the same stories over and over. And what really was the catalyst was, you know, as someone who is NPR, I pay a lot of attention to company statements and how companies react to things going on in the world and then the actions that they put behind those statements. And in 2020, with the murder of George Floyd and the heart of the Black Lives Matter movement, we are seeing so many companies, media organizations, event companies putting out statements, you know, or talking about putting more women and people of color in the forefront. And then it kind of, you know, it went away or, you know, they talked a lot about it and then a conference would pop up and it was mostly white men still speaking or white men on DEI panels. And I'm like, what is happening in the middle? What is this disconnect? And quite frankly, you know, you see a lot of excuses back to the network, the network issue, you know, well, we don't know enough people, our networks are limited or we don't have time and it's costly and whatever. So I really thought of what would happen if a conference organizer or a journalist could search a topic and the only people who came up were people they'd likely not talked to before, women and people of color who had different perspectives from the rest of the folks that they know. And that was really the original idea was that platform. And that's what I called Sonia about. I, the idea popped in my head and I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And we initially started bouncing ideas back and forth. So and he's like, you see this all the time with conferences. And just like, you know, I spend all this time connecting people, which is great, but it's not scalable. How can we really fix this? And during those conversations, we realized not only was the networking problem in our industry big, but we had never really talked about or determined what it means to be representative 
we never really defined what it means to be diverse. And so that's where the idea for let's talk to over 100 people throughout the industry and really figure out how can we put a measurable formula behind this where companies, you know, we can say, here's the action to put behind your statement. And they can measure year over year how they're really progressing on having more representation, whether that's on stage, on webinars, or just in their networks in general. So that's really where those three parts of choir came, the certification, the pledge to encourage the entire industry to speak up and all have the job to do. And then lastly, that voices platform. I love this. I've been on the website, but now like it's bringing some more clarity to what I was looking at before. And you have the pledge, right? So you can take the pledge as it looks like there's three different types of pledges that you can take. Talk to us a little bit about the pledges and why you wanted people to sign that. I can take that. Mm-hmm. Either uh, one. Because sort of because of the work I was doing before, introducing lots of folks, talking about race and gender, I have gotten to know lots of people who care about this issue, including a lot of white men who said, like, what do I do? I want to be helpful, but I don't know what to do. Can you tell me what conferences should I go to? Or what can I say? What should I do? People wanted to help, but just didn't know how. They didn't know how to measure. They didn't know how to assess a conference. And so the pledge, we actually built mostly with white men in mind. And then turns out that lots of people have signed it, women, people of color, and white men as well. So the idea behind it, and we can go over it, it's a baseline criteria that anybody can use to look at the website for a conference and say, okay, is there some basic representation and safety issues being addressed? The pledge is not the gold standard. The pledge is really a starting point. And we hope that conferences will meet that and preferably exceed it by by quite a bit. And the idea with pledge itself is that a speaker or an attendee or a sponsor, that's the three types of people who can sign, will sign the pledge and then they can point to it. And when somebody asks them to speak at a conference, they can say, I would love to speak. I am a choir pledge signer can you have a look at these four criteria and ensure that you are meeting them? And if you are, I would be happy to speak there. And so giving folks a way, an easy way to say yes to opportunities while also making sure that those opportunities are at conferences that are making efforts towards representation and safety for their participants too. And I think if it's helpful, we can talk about the four, the four pieces of the pledge that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. the first one is for conferences where there are three or more keynote speakers. One in every three keynotes should be a woman or a person of color. Mm-hmm. And for when there are panels of four or more people, one of at least one of the expert panelists, not a moderator, should be a woman or a person of color. And we think those are pretty easy bars to meet. And we think conferences should be able to do that with a little bit of intention. We know that not all conferences are doing this. We still see lineups that are very homogenous. So we wanted to start somewhere that conferences would be able to meet 
and meet by July 1st, which is when the pledge standards start. The third one is crucial, and it is that women of color are represented throughout the agenda, not just in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion focused sessions. And this is something that we saw when we were building the algorithm. We've looked at lots of different conference agendas, and a trend that we noticed is the conferences, even well-intentioned conferences that are trying to address this issue, that are trying to be representative, would often ask women of color to speak not necessarily on their subject matter expertise. They might be the president of a bank or managing director at an investment company, and they're asked to speak on about what it's like to be a Black woman working in finance, for example. And while we think that diversity and equity discussions at conferences are important and meaningful, that shouldn't be the only place where you have women of color and men of color either, but we noticed it very specifically with women of color who tend to be very underrepresented on conference agendas and often pigeonholed into these speaking spots. And then the fourth one is the conference needs to have an enforced anti-harassment policy. So they need to have a policy that is listed publicly and that if there is a violation of the policy, attendees have a way to report that and the conference you know, has some mechanism behind it. But more than just words, an actual... Yes functional policy, and we are happy to give templates to conferences, whether they're conferences we certify or not. We want all conferences to meet these, so we have templates and those kinds of things available for conferences that are new to that idea and trying to build one out. I love this because I'm hearing you talk about the conference piece, and I think about conferences in general. Now, I'm not a big conference goer because when I go, I'm like the anomaly there, and I don't like being the only person of color and the only man there, and then you know, only black men at a conference. And then there's a handful of us. And so I just don't go. I publicly don't say that. I just don't go. That is actually a common sentiment that we heard over and over when we were interviewing people last year. And I think a lot of conference organizers don't realize how much of an audience they're missing out on because their conferences are not inclusive or representative. And this is the big reason when we partnered with Future Proof to do ours is that we wanted to see something different. We're tired of seeing the same thing that we've always seen. And, and if it didn't change, then I just, I was going to continue not to go. And it wasn't like I was making a whole bunch of noise about it. I talked about the conference prices. <laughs> that was one of the things that I talked about. So as you're trying to you know get a few more people there, the conference prices are just ridiculous. In, in my opinion, I've seen some, you know, and it's like, that's just for the conference. That's not including, you know, lodging and travel. And, right. and I know conferences, what they're for, but with you guys talking about this, it just really, I'm excited about it because maybe I'll go to a few more conferences if I know that I'm going to see people like you there. You know what I mean? So like if I'm going to see some other people there that, and, and let me say this, not that just because I feel like sometimes white guys get like a bad rap, right? So not every one of them is bad. And we're not no, saying that. Absolutely not. And I know you guys aren't saying that. I think there's tons of allies out there that are helping, that are fighting a good fight, that are out there leading side by side with women and people of color and other groups that are underrepresented. So I get that. However, <laughs> when you do come to a conference, and I'm saying this to conference organizers that may listen to this or may see it, this is a real thing. You have to understand that how many people just don't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just do not go. Like, I'm not going to go there. And it's not only that, but then the harassment piece that you just brought up. Oh my God, my, that just blew my mind right now because this is an element that as a man, I might not think about. 
but for you to bring it up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, because I remember a conference in particular. We won't bring up the name, but it's where you and I met, Sonia. And I remember that conference. And there were some things said at that conference that were very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could see where that element really needs to be in. And I think that you ladies are doing an incredible job. Just how well thought out this is, like every I is dotted, every T is crossed. There's not a way for someone to come in here and hide. And you guys have measurable things where we can actually see the improvements. I love this. I love this. Thank you. Thank you. We did think a lot about it. And there's a reason it took us a year to build. We wanted to wait until the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. We knew that there was a lot of pieces and we want, and they're all great individually, but they're much better together. And so we wanted to wait until we could put them all together and put it out there. We're so excited about it. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that we've seen that we were hoping would happen and didn't even expect it to be as active as it is. But, you know, one thing is that if you are a white man or you're anyone whose experience is not centered in conversations around underrepresentation or harassment, you just don't see these things. You don't know what you don't know because it's not part of your experience. And so, when we launched on January 11th and put these criteria out there, what's happened is the entire industry, it seems, has been having these discussions. We've heard from so many people that, oh yeah, our whole C-suite has been talking about this, or all of these questions have come up internally, or our company chat, our network chat has been going crazy about this. We see threads on Twitter that aren't even including Sonia and I talking about, we talk about all the time, like even if this all went away or nothing came out of this, the fact that people are having these conversations that they weren't having even two months ago with actual benchmarks in their mind to really help frame these conversations, that's just been incredible. I mean, we had well over 200 pledge signers already, which is so amazing to see, as Sonia said, you know, it's been all kinds of people. I mean, that's included companies saying, you know, we won't sponsor conferences unless they meet these criteria, which that's really where you start to see the money move and create change. And so it's just been amazing since in the short time since we've launched. Absolutely. I think it's always good to find, I like to call it your tribe, right? And you see the tribes a lot on Twitter. And there's nothing better than you fighting a fight, right? And then you see someone else from your tribe fighting that same fight. And I like to call it tribe because it just sounds better than like your group or your people. And <laughs> I just like to call it tribe. Like my tribe's over there and they're taking care of business, you know, because this is a fight that we're in together and we want to see the change. So ladies, what would you say, what's next? Not next in terms of after acquire, but I'm saying, what would you guys hope leading up to what is it? July 1st, right? That's when it's official. So what are you guys hoping to lead, see leading up to that? Yeah, I'll start. I think, you know, so in Q2, where we're launching the Choir Voices platform, as we talked about, and, you know, we've already seen close to 100 people even sign up for that early sign up. And so we hope to see that, you know, when that platform launches, we really address that final piece of making those connections. We think that'll be such a huge value add for not only the voices, but the conference organizers and just our industry as a whole. And for me, as we move 
through the year and as more conferences adopt these criteria. And this is the reason that we're focused so heavily on conferences is because they start fresh every year, right? Mm -hmm. Their agenda starts. And so the turnaround of having a completely different complexion of speakers on stage is quicker. So we hope that throughout the year, we really start seeing this change and that we see more and more organizations having these conversations. And inevitably, that we see different faces on panels and start to really talk about the financial industry in a more holistic way that more people can resonate with. Like it. Yep. My thoughts are very similar. The big picture with all of this, all three pieces of what we're doing, the pledge, voices, and the certification is to change who we're listening to in the media and on stage because who we listen to matters. And hearing from women from people's color and especially women of color benefits the whole industry. It drives innovation. It broadens our perspectives, like Liv was saying. And I think also seeing folks on stage, one of the things that we hear a lot is it's really important for women to see other women on stage because you can't be what you can't see, which is true to a certain extent. Although I would give more credit to underrepresented folks that they are able to imagine themselves in positions that they are not allowed access to. They just know that there's a lot of blocks in the way. But in addition to being powerful for, say, women to see other women on stage or people of color to see other people of color on stage, I think it's also really important for everybody, for the whole industry, including white men, to see women and people of color on stage because it changes who we see as an authority, who gets to set the direction for our companies and for the industry and start to change that distribution of power that is so imbalanced right now in our industry. So we're really excited about, about that focus on changing who we listen to. Absolutely. I love everything that you ladies are doing. One thing that I wanted to say is people are going to listen to this, right? And they're going to hear this and they're going to say, well, well I want to help because <laughs> people are going to want to help, right? How can people help if they want to get involved? How can they help? Yeah, sure. Well, the, our website, a place for everybody, the website is hellochoir.com. And there's pages on there for conference organizers that might want to get their conference certified. We did talk a lot about the certification today, but I do want to mention that that is different than the pledge. The certification standards are much higher than pledge standards. And getting certified is entirely based on data. And then we use that data to help conferences, like Liv said, improve representation year over year. It's a very hands-on process. And there's, we'll be announcing our first cohort of certified conferences soon. We're, we're excited about that. There's a page for voices. If you are an expert in financial services and you are woman or non-binary, or if you are a person of color, we want to know you. If you want to have your expertise amplified on stage and in the media, there is a pre-sign-up link on there. And you can just tell us a little bit about you and we'll let you know as soon as we launch. And then for white men and anybody else who considers themselves an ally in this industry, they're welcome to sign the pledge. That's the last piece that's on our website. And you can sign right to the website. Everything's there. That's what I would say for people who want to help. And then I guess the last thing is 
help us spread the word. If one of those pieces is really interesting to you and you think it would be interesting to your community, please help us spread the word and let other people know. Bring awesome. somebody with you. <laughs> yes, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So we'll make sure that Great. we have a link to Hello Choir in the show notes so that anyone that wants to take the pledge or you know go on further if you're a conference organizer. And, and so all of that information will be right there for you so you can easily get it. So there's a few questions that I got to ask you. This is just the minority money question. Yeah, so well. as you both know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today we're changing the complexion of speakers in the industry. So I'll start with you, Liv, or whoever wants to take it first. Well, Sonia, Liv, what helps you, what makes you continue to learn, lead, and inspire? What is it? What motivates you? For me, the thing that gets me the most excited and just overwhelmed with motivation is when we talk on the phone or talk to anyone who says, yes, that was my exact experience. Thank you for listening to that and creating a solution. So when we really, when we hear from the voices that we're trying to center, that we're hearing them and helping them, that's what really motivates me. And, you know, I think for me, it's removing the barriers or challenges or excuses one by one by one and just helping address these issues in the industry through choir. And I would second everything that Liz said. And then on a more personal note, I think that starting in our industry, I started in the industry when I was, I don't know, 23. And I was at a conference very, very quickly after that, I think within a month or two. And it was extremely shocking to me what happened there, what it looked like the harassment, all of it. And I just figured that was just kind of the way things are. And I think a lot of people think that's just the way things are. And in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I've gotten much better at not accepting that the way things are is the way that they have to be and reimagining a better way. And it's really inspiring to reimagine a better way, not just for you know, 23 year old me, but for everybody who everybody now and the generations that come behind us to have a better industry to work in. It's safer, more representative and where everybody is welcome to use their voice. Absolutely. Man, I'm so excited about this. Like, I, I really am. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I'm excited about this. Like, this is so near and dear to my heart just because of especially on this conference thing. Like I just didn't go like, I'm excited. So the last question I wanted to ask you is, I will start with you, Sonia. If you could offer piece or pieces of advice, I used to just say one piece, but sometimes I don't want to, Sonia, you tell the people what you think they need to hear. <laughs> uh, I don't want to cut you off on that. So if you could offer the minority money community some advice, what would that be? I don't know the entire minority money community, so I don't want to be <laughs> presumptuous, but I will give advice that I would like to give my previous self advice I wish I had either heard or taken earlier. And that would be find your voice, use it. And when you do, you'll find your people. And your people is not necessarily everybody. When you're finding your voice, it doesn't need to be the voice that pleases 100% of people. It needs to be the thing you're passionate about, the thing you want to spend time on and care about the thing that you're willing to take a stand about. And once you find your voice and you find that thing, use it 
And the more you use it, the more you'll find your people and be supported in working on that passion. I love it. Absolutely love it. Liv, same question to you. I actually, I have two pieces of advice. One for folks who are underrepresented, underestimated in any way, is to use doubt as fuel. If folks question what you're doing or say, this isn't going to work, this is how it's always been done, use that, solve the problem, go back to them with the solution, find people who will have your back in helping you solve that problem, and just don't take no for an answer. Sonia helps me with this a lot. Don't dwell on the doubts and the no's and just keep moving forward. And then my advice for those people who, especially really the white men in our industry and in general, is you can change somebody's life with one email or one phone call, introducing them to someone. An email that might take you 20 seconds to send can mean a whole new life, a whole new investment, a whole new business opportunity for someone. So don't underestimate the power in using your platform or your connections. And I think if everyone who is in any sort of place of privilege took five minutes a week just to make connections, our whole industry could start to really look different and the whole generation of people coming after us could really start to look different as well. So that would be my two pieces of advice. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. On the doubting topic, I just want to thank you, Emlyn. Your questions and your feedback have been so supportive and neutral is not quite the right word, but you're just asking questions. And we've talked to lots and lots of people in the last month or so. And some of the questions we've got have been full of doubt. I can hear it. And I do a lot of talking about race and gender and, you know, a lot about gender. And it's really interesting to be on the receiving end of gendered doubt while being an expert in it. It doesn't hurt any less when you're (laughs) an expert in it. So I just want to thank you for seeing us as people and leaders and not discounting our work because of our gender. I really appreciate that and I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. I'm with what you guys are doing. I support you guys 1000%. When it blows up, we go back and look at those people and say, see, told you, told you it was going to (laughs) work. Told you it was going to be a problem. Told you we had an issue that we needed to take care of. So once again, ladies, thank you for what you're doing in the work and the continued success that you guys are going to have and the support that we can offer any way in shape or form here at Minority Money. We will do that. And with Onyx. And with Onyx. So we'll absolutely support you guys there as well. Thank you again, both of you, for coming on. And as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Until next time, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP. To support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please, reach out to an attorney or CPA 
or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.